While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. From an that pretty gal to Georgia. The new settlement of Savannah faced a test in 1739, only six years from its founding. The British settlers knew that one reason they had been induced to start a colony in the first place was to keep an eye on the Spanish in Florida and repel any potential invasions into British territory. As I mentioned in the James Oglethorpe episodes, after Savannah was more or less founded, Oglethorpe concentrated more on the south, on St. Simon's Island and Fort Frederica, and basically protecting Savannah from a potential Spanish invasion from Florida. And Oglethorpe turned out to be right, because he would be involved in a shooting war with the Spanish. And it all started from something that happened in the Caribbean eight years earlier. A British ship was stopped and detained by a Spanish ship. Now, whether this was a legitimate Spanish naval ship or whether this was a privateer, we don't really know. What matters is that the British captain was tied to the mast and the Spanish captain cut off his ear. He gave the ear to the captain and told him to bring it to England and give it to King George, and told him that if King George didn't respect the Spanish, the same thing would happen to him. Captain Jenkins went back to England and showed his ear to anyone who would listen in London and told them about the insult that he had suffered in the Caribbean. Now, of course, there were larger forces at work, and of course, this wouldn't be the only reason that Britain would declare war on Spain, but it was something close to the colonists in Georgia, and that's why we're at, moving through Georgia, the War of Jenkins' Ear. So, did this Jenkins story really happen? Yeah, maybe it did and maybe it didn't. It doesn't really matter. There was a lot of tension between Britain and Spain, and if it wasn't Jenkins' ear, it would have been something else. Somebody would have found some reason to declare war. Spain was a major world power at this point, and the British would have had a hard battle to fight, except that Spain was now ruled by King Philip V. He was a weak king. He might have been bipolar, and he wasn't very capable. This was an opportunity for Britain. There had been tensions in the Caribbean, there were tensions over Gibraltar, Spanish privateers were seizing British ships, and British ships were smuggling goods into Spanish colonies. Each side had something to be pretty mad about. Tension on top of tension until the British saw some weakness in the Spanish leadership, and they jumped. They declared war. Even though Oglethorpe was focused on protecting Savannah, the residents of that city began to feel neglected, and the city began to suffer. Most of the trade between Georgia and South Carolina was going to Fort Frederica and St. Simon's Island. At one point, when a drought hit the island, supplies were brought in from Savannah, even though they were short already. When Oglethorpe did visit the city, he wouldn't help the people with their problems, he would just talk about the problems of the soldiers in the south and demand more support. Generally, the people of Savannah held together. They knew that they were in danger from these armies in Florida, and they did their best to try to protect their colony. But there were dissenting voices. One of those is the Reverend George Whitfield. 
He had spent some time preaching around Savannah and had impressed the locals with his attacks against lewdness and laziness. But when he finally set up shop in Savannah, he began preaching the doctrine that good works had no value towards salvation. That was the absolute last thing the trustees wanted the people of Georgia to hear. People in Savannah were starting to feel like this war was basically on the European continent and in the Caribbean and probably wouldn't ever affect them. Oglethorpe knew better. He wanted the people to work. He wanted the people to work to build the colony and to defend the colony. This was no time to preach against the value of hard work. Now, Whitfield had a project. There were a lot of orphans in the colony, and his main goal was to build a home for those orphans. It would be known as Bethesda. Before this, the orphans were put up in the colonists' homes, and they were paid a stipend, but those children were generally worked pretty hard and not educated. As construction began on the orphans' home, Whitfield became one of the most prominent citizens of the city. He was spending money that had been raised outside the colony, and he was spending a lot of it tradesmen were thanking George Whitfield for their daily meals and they were listening to him preach on Sunday. Whitfield considered the orphanage more important than the potential war to their south and he actively discouraged those who were building it from leaving and joining the army. Oglethorpe gathered his men and led them into Florida and he actually seized two forts along the St. John's River. Further away, the British had some other successes. The Spanish town of Portobello in Panama was attacked and it was sacked, and that was a big hit against Spanish power in the Americas. Now, in another digression, there were two things that came out of this battle. The first was the song, Rule Britannia, which was written for a dinner honoring that victory. Also, a major road in London was named Portobello Road, which would sound familiar if you've ever seen the movie Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. If you haven't, it's a good movie. In Savannah, the people still felt like they were no longer a priority to the trustees, and that the war was very far away. People began to just up and leave for the Carolinas. The Orphan House continued under the management of James Habersham, but the city was in decline especially in 1742 when there was a fire in Charleston and a lot of the city's skilled workers left to go up north and rebuild. Back in the war, Oglethorpe attempted a siege of St. Augustine, but the Spanish were just too powerful. He was forced to return to Fort Frederica and prepare for an expected invasion. And the Spanish in 1742 did exactly that. They landed on St. Simon's Island. They were repelled in the Battle of Bloody Marsh and sent packing back to Florida. The previously invincible Spanish had been defeated and driven home by the brave Georgians and the British soldiers. This was the best news Savannah had heard for a while. A lot of refugees who had fled to the Carolinas or to the countryside began to return to town to celebrate the victory. There were still problems and there were still complaints, but suddenly there was also hope. Oglethorpe would try for that fort at St. Augustine again, but no luck. It was basically a stalemate, and eventually that war would end on the American side of the world. The eventual peace treaty would set the Georgia-Florida border at the St. John's River. To the rest of the world, this was a local dust-up, but for those in Georgia, this was a successful test for their survival. The war would continue, and it would grow. 
there was fighting in the Caribbean and on the European continent, eventually this would blow up into the War of Austrian Succession. Fighting would reach as far away as India and Canada. When it was over, the world wasn't really a different place, but things had changed for the people of Savannah. They were now a successful colony that could protect itself. They had a future. And now that the colony is established and successful, we're going to move back to our primary focus, which is, of course, Northeast Georgia. If local history is important to you and you would like to see the algorithm get this message out to more people, consider giving us five stars. It really does help. Questions or comments can go to movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. Next week, as I say, we will go back to Northeast Georgia, starting with Carl Walenda's walk across Tallulah Gorge. Let's end with one last note. One story that comes out of the war involves a soldier from Virginia who was part of a force of 4,000 men in the fight against Cartagena in what is now Colombia. The British bombarded the fort protecting the city, but never managed to successfully land their ground troops. The British commander, whose name was Edward Vernon, continued the bombardment and blockaded the city, but since they could never really gain any land, the fleet eventually had to return to their base in Jamaica. That regimental commander from Virginia, even though he may have never left his transport ship, surely came home to share his exploits with everyone who would listen. He would even name his estate after the expedition's commander. He would name it Mount Vernon. And I'm sure that regimental commander Lawrence Washington told his younger brother George all about the prestige of being a colonial accepted into the ranks of the regular British Army. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an aid that pretty gal to Georgia. That's all.